Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Uh, quick update on me and my now 25-year-old back. Let me tell you something, y'all. Seven weeks ago, I had an 85-year-old back. Seven weeks later, I have a 25-year-old back. Uh, I went to the doctor. Thanks, Tammy. I went to the doctor on Monday. Doctor said everything looked good. Um, I told him I have no pain except in the mornings. I have a little pain in my back in the mornings, but I justified that by the fact that I'll be 40 in November and I'm overweight. Um, so those two things together kind of play a role, I think, in my morning, <laughs> my morning struggles. Oh, and I'm not a morning person. Um, so listen to this, though. Here's what the doctor said. The doctor said that's normal. Um, he said if I would have came into his office and told him that I, my pain level was still at like a six or seven or even up to an eight, he would have told me that that's normal. I said, what? I said, first of all, if I'm having surgery, I don't want to wake up in pain level seven or eight, right? Like, come on. He said, no, here's the deal. He said, and he kind of described how my disc was pushing on the nerve type deal. He said, you've been hurt for 12 years. You've been hurt since 2009. Um, so it, that nerve is going to take some time to ease off and to stretch back out and to flatten out where it's at. He said, so it would have been completely normal. He said, for some people, maybe even for most people, they look at an 8 to 12-month recovery time before they really see the full results of having surgery between that 8 and 12-month time. He said the fact that you've been pain-free seven weeks after surgery is really good. And that was my dream. That was my cue to tell him this. I said, your work stops at the surgery, right? What you can do for me, I appreciate it, and I believe that God brought us together for this very reason. What you could do for me stopped when you sewed my back back up after you cut it open. What the Lord could do for me took over right then. Where he stops, the Lord took you over and did what only he could do. That's why I woke up three days later pain-free, no pain in my foot, my leg, and my back, all that kind of good stuff. It happened for two reasons. One, because God gave this doctor the ability to do what he does. And two, God's got the ability to do what he does. And he did that for me. And I am so thankful for you and to him and you for praying for me. So thank you all very much. I feel good. All right. All right. Here we go. Now, let's get to some more good stuff because that's pretty good. It is for me anyway. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about our thought life. We're going to talk about our mind. We're going to talk about why we think what we think. We're going to talk about how we get the thoughts that we get. We're going to talk about that today. Next week, we're going to talk about how to rewire our mind. Uh, your, your mind has wires, and it thinks the way it thinks for a certain reason. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Next week, we're going to talk about how to rewire, how to rechange, how to 
kind of reset our mind to get out the bad and to replace it with the good. Um, and we're going to do all that over the next three or four weeks. Um, but today, we're going to kind of got like a, we're going to take like a, like a zoomed out view of our thought life, right? Like a broad view of our thought life. Uh, we're going to talk about why we think what we think, where these thoughts come from, um, and all of that good stuff. That sound good? Can we all agree that our minds are crazy? Some are crazier than others, let me just say. Um, I know some people, that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to name any names, but I know some people um, that are just, you know, just a little different, that's all. Um, Our mind controls our life. Whatever is in here comes out here. So we've got to make sure that we protect and guard, the word says to guard your heart. We got to make sure we're guarding our heart and our mind because whatever is here comes out here. One of the biggest struggles, one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest weapons facing you living a successful Christian life is your mind. It's your thought life. It's what you think. It's where these thoughts come from. It's how these thoughts get implanted because whatever is here comes out here. Uh, And if you've paid attention at all in the past, well, forever, your whole life, um, but really in the past couple of years, there are so many voices that we have speaking to us, right? We have the TV speaking to us. We have friends speaking to us. We have family speaking to us. We have the media speaking to us. We have the church speaking to us. We have, hopefully, God speaking to you. We have all these voices coming into us, and the trouble comes in is sometimes it's hard to sift through and to, to kind of look at what's being said to us for us to know what to believe, for us to know what, who's speaking garbage to us, for us to know what we need to take out and what we need to put in. And that, my friend, is the enemy's plan to take over your life. One of the enemy's greatest weapon, maybe his only weapon against you, is your thoughts. Did you get that? One of the enemy's greatest weapons, maybe his only weapon against you, is your thoughts. His plan is to speak to you. His plan is to get inside your head. Think back to Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. How did he deceive uh, Eve and Adam and throw us all into a sinful world? He did it through Eve's thoughts, right? He said, surely God did not say you cannot eat fruit from any tree. He changed scripture and changed the way that God meant the words and deceived Eve and lied to Eve and made Eve think that his ways, what he was saying was really better for her than what God said. And that thought was planted in Eve's mind and it came out in her life. And that's why we're in the shape we are today. Have you ever thought that if Adam and Eve did not believe in the enemy's lies and deceptions and fall into sin, we would all be sitting here naked right now. We would. I don't want to think about it, but we would. So, Okay, here's the deal. Uh, that was Satan's plan in Genesis 3. That is still Satan's plan today. He is still lying to us. He is still deceiving us. He is still trying to get us to believe his 
lies over God's truth. Satan is our unseen enemy. His sole mission today is to steal, kill, and destroy you. First Peter says he is prowling around like a lion waiting to devour you. He wants to keep you from an intimate relationship with God. He wants to keep you from an intimate relationship with the people around you that love you and care for you. He wants to rob you of any joy that God has given in your life. He wants to rob you of you living a purposeful life for the Lord. He wants to rob you of you making an impact on the people around you for the Lord. He is out to tear you down. He is out to simply kill you. And how does he do that? He does it through lies. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. This scripture right there, John chapter 8, verse 44, is the only scripture in all of the Bible where the word father is tagged to Satan. It's the only scripture where you will see that Satan is called a father. And what is he the father of? Somebody talk to me. Lies. He is the father of lies. Everything that he says is a lie, Jesus says. Satan, the enemy, created lies. Jesus says there's no truth in him. Anytime he speaks, it is a lie, and Satan today is trying to lock you up in a prison filled with lies from him. Satan lies become more dangerous because of deception, right? We talked about Adam and Eve and deception. Uh, you know the problem? Charles has told you this for years, and you've probably heard him say it a thousand times. The problem with being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived, right? Does that make sense? Like, like Satan's lying to you, and you don't know that he's lying to you because of deception. You're being deceived, but you don't know about deception because you are being deceived. And that is what Satan does. Satan will make his lies look like they will relieve problems in your life. Satan will make his lies look like they are for your good. They are for your better. He might even quote scripture to you when he's lying to you. Right? That's what he did with Jesus in Matthew 4. He quoted, kind of quoted, he misinterpreted and changed a couple words around, but he quoted scripture in Matthew chapter 4 to Jesus. And Satan may also look empathetic when he's lying to you. He may look like he's got your best interests at heart when he's lying to you. That's how he got Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. He made Eve believe that what he was asking her to do, what he was wanting her to do, is better than what God wanted her to do, as if somehow God was holding back on her, as if God wasn't giving her all of his goodness, but all that the enemy told her was better than what God said. That is deception. I read this quote this week, about the enemy's lies. It says this, the enemy wants to gain access to your mind so he can destroy everything in your life. He wants to get inside your head so harmful thoughts can be planted within your mind. 
those thoughts will go unchecked and will spill over into your life. Because here's the truth. Whatever's here comes out here, right? We all agree? Whatever starts here. Anything that we do in life starts with a thought, right? It starts here, comes out here. A lie believed up here. A lie believed from Satan in your mind will come out in your life as if that lie was true. Got it? A lie believed as true will come out in your life, will come out in your family, will come out in your workplace, will come out in your neighborhood. A lie believed as true will impact your life as if it were true. How crazy is that? That the enemy can tell you a lie about yourself, about God, about other people, and it's not even true. But it can impact your life as if it were true. That's some tough offense right there. Right? That's a smart game plan. If he can get you to believe his lies, you will live out those lies as if those lies were true. But we got good news. We're not bad news people here. We're good news gospel people. Amen? We got good news. The Word gives us examples. The Word gives us a way that we can fight against those lies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I got three things for you real quickly. Three things to help you fight against believing the enemy's lies. Uh, Number one is you have to get in the fight. The problem with deception is you don't know when you're being deceived because you're being deceived. So that leads us to believe that there's nothing wrong with what I believe. I don't know that I'm being lied to because of deception, so there's nothing for me to fight against. Point number one is we have to get in the fight. We have to make sure we are paying attention to what voices are coming in our minds so that we know whether we need to fight against those lies or whether we know we need to accept those truths that are speaking to us. So how do you do that? You compare it. You examine everything that you think with the word of God. Is God telling me to to leave something? Maybe. Look in the word. Is God telling me to move something? Maybe. Examine it with the word. If you're not in the fight, you lose the fight. If you're just hanging out, accepting everything that comes at you, everything that comes in your mind, then you're not in the fight. And the enemy will try to get you to do a couple things so that you will not fight. I wrote these things down this week. Uh, Number one, the enemy wants to get you to believe it's out of your control. The enemy wants you to believe that your thought life, that the things you think, the way you live your life is out of your control. He'll tell you things like, There's nothing you can do about it. Don't fight it. You know I'm right. You can't do nothing about it. What can you do? You live in Ashboro. You grew up in Seagrove. What can you do? I'm from Denton. (laughs) What can you do? You can't do nothing. Don't fight it. You can't change it. You've tried to fight it before, right? Did you win? No. You ain't winning this time. Give it up. 
The enemy will try to get you to believe that you're supposed to be this way. So don't fight it. The enemy will tell you things like, you're genetically predisposed to think this way. The enemy will tell you you're genetically predisposed to have the thoughts that you think. The enemy will tell you that you're genetically predisposed to have a defeated mindset. Well, mom and dad had one. It's just the way I am. I'm genetically predisposed to be an alcoholic. I can't ever get over it. What can I do? It's just the way I am. The way I was born. It's just me. I'm genetically predisposed to have weight struggles. I'm genetically predisposed to have body image struggles. I'm genetically predisposed to have relationship problems. Mom and dad had a rough relationship. Well, I just have it too. It's just the way it is. I'm genetically predisposed. The enemy will tell you, that's just the way it is. Don't fight it. Because that's just the way you are. Don't fight it. The enemy will also try to get you to blame somebody else for your thoughts and for the lies that you believe. It's mama's fault. One of the joys I have in having kids is when I spill something in the kitchen, I can easily blame TJ, and mom will believe it. You got a six-year-old running around going crazy, he's liable to knock anything off the counter. Right? Right. Trust me. It's TJ's fault. It's my mama's fault. It's daddy's fault. He taught me. It's the Republicans' fault. It's the Democrats' fault. It's those stinking politicians. They make me think what I think. It's the black people's fault. It's the brown people's fault. It's the white people's fault. The enemy will try to get you to believe that it's anybody else's fault but his. That, my friends, is where division comes in. Because we blame other people for what we see going on around us. We blame other people for the decisions and the thoughts and the lifestyle that we have. Those other people blame us for the decisions and thoughts and lifestyle that they have because they have believed a lie from the enemy that it's not their fault and it's not his fault being the enemy, but it's someone else's fault. When in reality, it's the enemy's fault because he has lied and deceived to them and to us, and we have believed it. If you believe today that a president, that a political party can fix the division in this country today, you are going to be in for a rude awakening when it never, ever happens. All the division you see today throughout our country and the whole world is a lie from the enemy. It's not a lie that there is division because it's not hard to look out and see. There's a big old gap. There's a big old separation in our country today. You have white and black. You have young and old. You have male and female. You have rich and poor. The lie is not that there is a division because there certainly is. The lie is that it's the other person's fault. 
The lie is that it's the black man's fault. The lie is that it's the white man's fault, that it's the men's fault, the women's fault, the young people's fault, the old people's fault. The lie is that it's their fault. The truth is it's the enemy's fault. His plan is to divide and separate. His plan is to take away any unity and any goodness that God has put in our life. His goal is to destroy you today. And he does that by lying to you. And he will get you to believe that it's anybody's fault other than his. Right? He will get you to believe that it's anybody's fault other than his. So the enemy wants you to blame other people. Ephesians 6 verse 12, uh, Paul tells us that our fight today is not against flesh and blood. Our fight today is not against other people. Our fight today is not against somebody that looks different than us, that talks different than us, that even thinks different than us. Our fight today is a spiritual fight being fought in the spiritual realms between good and evil, between the Father of love and our Father in heaven and the Father of all lies. Satan wants to divide God came to bring things together, but it's hard for us to recognize these things because we have been deceived. It all starts with a thought. One, you have to be able to get in the fight and recognize the lies. Point number two is we have to destroy strongholds in our life. We have to destroy strongholds. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do, not wage world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is a stronghold? A stronghold in biblical times uh, comes from the Greek word ochuroma. Everybody say that. Ochuroma. O-C-H-U-R-O-M-A. Ochuroma. I wish I would have read that word three months ago. Anna Lee's name would have been Ochuroma. Ochuroma Jernigan would have been wonderful. Ochuroma simply means to fortify, to protect to strengthen, to build up. Um, in the ancient times, a stronghold was a building uh, and a fortress built on top of the highest peak in the city. That building was surrounded by a brick wall up to 20 feet thick, 20 feet thick. The point of that building and the point of any stronghold was to keep people out from getting into the building right? It's opposite than a prison, right? You get arrested today, you go to prison, you're put behind bars, you're put in prison to keep you in so that you can't get out, right? A stronghold is made to keep other things from getting in. So it was to keep the other armies, the other uh, warriors from invading and taking over their city. Think like uh, the bunker in the White House. Surely you've seen a TV show where the America has been attacked and the White House has been attacked, I love those kind of shows. Uh, usually if Keith or, Keith or Sutherland's in it, my man Jack Bauer, I love it. Did anybody watch 24 back in the day? Yeah. Oh, I love it. 
love it so much. He's the only man that can save America, I believe. Uh, think the bunker in the White House, right? You're underground, you're protected, you're safe. All the doors are locked off, they're sealed off. Nobody can get into the bunker in the White House. Think of the bunkers like people have, the storm shelters that people have out west in the middle of the country in like Iowa and Kansas and whatever other states out there. So when tornadoes come, right, they go underground so that the debris and the storm and the wind cannot get into where they're at and hurt them. That's what a stronghold is. It keeps stuff out. It keeps stuff out. What does that mean for our thought life? When we believe lies, when we let Satan's lies penetrate our mind and sit in our mind and go unchecked and go unexamined against the Lord's word, what happens is we start to believe those lies and they sit in our mind for years and years and decades and they become a stronghold.